host Kickle, and it's time for another episode of American Reef. Today we're going to demonstrate how to convert a plain old tank that you may have laying around a house to a tank that is capable of keeping marine fish and corals. So before we get started, if you are new to the reef keeping hobby and you need a little reef tutoring as I like to call it, head on over to AmericanReefs.com and look up the Reef Tutor video series. In there I've got probably 200-ish kind of videos that will teach you how to keep and maintain a coral reef aquarium. Um, basically uh, that video content will be available not only via the web but also via iTunes. So you'll be able to take it on the road with you for example and not have to stream it, that sort of thing. Um, Probably another point to mention is the fact that in that video series we also go behind the scenes at local fish stores to kind of see how they maintain their customers, their tanks, uh, their service accounts, how they order, um, you know, uh, corals, fish, that sort of thing. And it gives you a good insight. Again, if you're new to the hobby, there's a ton of value in kind of knowing what you're getting into. Um, and speaking of value, right? Again, we all have kind of tanks that are in our house that are not providing any value. They're empty, right? Or somebody does, right? And they'll put them on Craigslist or something like that. And um, basically, Mike Paletta had such a tank in his garage, actually, um, that was just sitting around not doing anything with it. And he looked at it and said, hey, I'm going to take and convert this thing into something that I can keep, again, corals in, right? Saltwater fish. And, uh, and in the process, what we've done is we have kind of captured that journey um, going through kind of this startup phase to where he's at today and that journey right now is probably nine-ish months um, and one thing that I would recommend is what you see today uh, don't go out and do anything that Mike did yet because he changed some things along the journey that are very good as far as you know again he learned his lessons so you don't have to get burned by those lessons but at the same time um, you know that content was probably a little bit too much to put into one video series so I ended up breaking it up um, again, rather than me talk about it, let's go visit Mike and, you know, watch him as he's all excited about starting this new project. something that goes completely against everything I've ever done and against my nature, I'm going to set up a little nano tank. And when I say it goes against my nature, it has always been my goal to have as many corals in as big a space as possible. That's why I used to have a 1200 gallon tank. But now, because I don't ever throw anything away, which is also the curse of all of us that do this, I found a tank that I had built for myself 20 years ago. It was my first SPS tank, and it is a perfect 18 inch cube, so it makes a perfect nano tank. And what I tried to do was make it a little bit different than just a standard tank with a sump in the back. I've tried to customize it a little bit to make it unique for doing this. Okay, so basically we're going to go over your custom nano tank from a tank that you had around the house. Correct. Very good.
So this is a, an 18 inch cube. It was sitting in my basement. I was gonna use it as a frag tank. I was gonna use it for water changes, but I just kept it and kept it. And since there are so many really cool nano fish coming in, Scott Michael's new book on nano fish is just coming out, shows all the really nice little fish you can put in here. I'm gonna go against everything I have and try to set up some minimal corals in this tank and a small number of tiny fish. What a nasty joke, right? I know, I, it'll be jam-packed, there'll be corals growing out of the top in another year, but for the time being, and I'm gonna try and keep it somewhat uh, genus specific. That is, the main corals up top are gonna be Montiparas, the main corals in the middle and bottom are gonna be Acanthastrias and Blastomusas. So I'm gonna try something different, I'm gonna try and play to the Montiparas uh, innate ability to overshadow everything to try and reduce the intensity of light down on the acans and on the blastos to try and get their colors because the castles are great downstairs the problem is they produce so much light that I'm losing the blues and purples in the acans so what I'm hoping to do and after talking with other acan aficionados is I'm trying to have the, the corals in this tank shade the corals below and get to see them uh, so what I did want to show though is I wanted to bring out the colors and show off the colors of these in a sort of non-traditional manner and in a somewhat unique way. And I'm not doing anything that I've thought of on my own. These are all ideas I've stolen and I forget who I've stolen these ideas from because I've seen so many tanks over the years. So if I've stolen these ideas from you, I apologize. Get in touch with me and I will give you credit in the future. But I just can't remember who taught, told me about doing this kind of stuff because it is kind of different and kind of unique for a tank. Well, let, let, let's take a step back. You had this tank. There was no black acrylic in the back or anything. That was the first thing I did. Uh, a friend of mine, I believe in Columbus, Ohio, and I can't remember his name, had a long tank that he put a partition in and he had the pumps flow out and they shifted every six hours from side to side. Now in a nano tank, that's not really necessary, but what I wanted to try and do is keep this as an all-in-one tank. That is, I didn't want to have a sump, I didn't want to have a risk of overflow. If the water levels in both of these is the same, you can't really overflow the tank. Right. So that was the goal of this tank, not to have it basically be as simple as possible. So what I did was, I bought a piece of acrylic online, my friend, oh, where'd you get it? I got it at Amazon. Yeah, exactly, everything at Amazon. You can buy anything at Amazon. It's like Alice's Restaurant, which once again shows my age. Because you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant, if you remember the song. But I got the piece of black partition, uh, black acrylic. I went to my friend, Dr. Mike Fontanis, who's a master train builder. He has countless miniature trains, so he has all the tools to do miniaturized work. So he cut the piece of acrylic that I got to fit this. We built a template first, then we cut it to size. Then we cut the grooves in here for the overflow. I drilled a little hole here for the return pump. And it's basically good to go because it looks really nice from the back. And then the second thing that I did. Oh, one second. The acrylic, how much did it cost? $32. Oh yeah, so you have a tank laying around the house or, you know, again, around Black Fridays, you always get tanks. You could, tanks is the cheapest part of the hobby. Right. If you're not getting into the hobby because the tanks are too expensive, then, then you shouldn't be in the hobby at all. So tanks are cheap. Old tanks you can also find everywhere. Everyone has old tanks for sale. You can go and buy them and customize them like this if you like. I like this idea because it's all in one. It looks nice. And the next thing I did was what another guy told me is in a little tank where you have good flow, the problem is is all the gravel eventually goes to the back of the tank. Right. Your bare bottom here, all the gravel's here. Right. So I, what I did was, and once again, I stole this idea from someone, I can't remember who, I took black 
silicone, 100% silicone. Make sure it's not the kind that has the anti-mold stuff or anything else. Get the black 100% silicone. I applied it in a thick layer on the bottom. I used a paint uh, spatula mm -hmm. to make a nice thin coating. I then took the Carib Sea Aragalive black Hawaiian sand. I dried it out for a week and a half, so it's not alive, obviously. Mm -hmm. When the silicone was wet and sticky, I poured a nice layer down, I patted it down into the silicone, I let it sit overnight, dumped it out, and now this doesn't move. So, question, silicone. You said 100% silicone, where did you get yours? I just got it at Lowe's. Okay, so Lowe's. You can get it at Lowe's or Home Depot. And that's General Electric, normal? General Electric, 100% silicone. Okay. It says 100% silicone. If you want to go crazy, you can buy the German silicone, which is even nicer. Mm -hmm. It'll cost you like three bucks more a tube. You can get that online. Okay. I don't have the specific name of it, but if you Google German black silicone, you can find it. <laughs> okay, so, is that the same silicone you used to actually set your partition in the back? Yeah. Okay. The black silicone is basically holding everything in place. The other thing on this is there's a little partition right behind it that is a little flat square that I drilled holes in. It's a little shelf. So what's going to happen is the water is going to flow over through these slots, then into the little box, and then over some floss. The floss just takes out real easy. Once a week I'll take this out. This will take a lot of the detritus out of the tank before it has a time to go. And the reason, uh, getting back to the detritus, the reason I put the silicone is one of the problems we typically have in the nanotanks, if you do have good flow, everything blows around, I want to have good flow to get the detritus out. As long as I can do that, it's going to make maintaining this tank a lot easier. And for someone who has typically done big tanks, to me a nanotank is more difficult because it's much more fine technique. By that I mean things can change badly very quickly in this kind of tank versus it takes a lot longer in a 75 or in a 300 gallon tank. So I want things to be as easy and as simple and sure. on a smaller scale than, a, than what I do with a typical tank. And what I plan on doing in this tank is probably a five gallon water change a week. Sure. It's only, it's good, total volume in here is 26 gallons. With everything in, it'll be 22, 23 gallons. So five gallons a week, I'll take, and also that's to experiment, to see if that agrees with what I'm finding in the 300 gallon tank where I'm doing 25 gallons a week. Sure. So. I was gonna say, uh, so again, from a sand bottom base, you can have tons of flow, no issues there, but you get that black, so it's gonna make those corals pop, right? Yeah, and when I run the LED lights, they'll really show off the coloration. Sure. As all of us have seen the multi-pictures of corals with black backgrounds, we see how dazzling they are. That's what I hope to do here. Basically have little jewel montiparas because there's really cool montiparas with uh, different polyps and, and bases. Put all those in, let them grow, fill in the spots, which goes against my nature because I tend to jam too many things in. I'm going to do a small amount of stuff, let it grow, and go from there. And there's going to be enough space on the bottom that there'll be lots of places for the A-cans and the blastos. Now, one of the other interesting aspects that I'm doing in this tank is I want to have good water motion and good filtration because obviously it's me and I tend to pack a tank with fish and corals. So in that regard, I'm going to have more or less a three-stage filtration system. One, I'm going to have the water flow over the overflow. It's going to hit filter floss. I'm going to take any of the dirt or detritus that accumulates there relatively quickly and easily out of the tank. Then in the bottom of the sump, I'm going to have miracle mud just to introduce trace elements and to grow microfauna for, to feed the fish. And basically, I believe that the, it really keeps the coloration and helps with polyp extension in the corals. And lastly, there'll be a little uh, nano 
skimmer from Tunzi, the 9001. So it's going to be three stages of, of filtration within this tank, and it, a relatively little tank. I'm pretty happy that I've come up with that system. We'll see how it works. Now the other thing that we tend to neglect in a nano tank is water flow. Usually you can't really have it be like a blender, obviously. So you want somewhat of a nice gentle flow, but you want good strong flow. So what I have in here is a uh, MaxiJet 1200, which runs roughly 1200 gallons per hour. So this is roughly 25 gallons, so it's going to turn it over 300 times per hour. I've run this with fresh water in it. It didn't seem like it was turning it over 300 times per hour. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't believe the 1200 is 1200 per hour. I think yeah. it's like 500, 600. I, it, it says a high number on the box, but it was, Either looking way. at it, it was a lot slower than I expected. I expected right. the water come gushing through these slats. That wasn't the case. It was more or less a gentle trickle. Right. I can live with that. That's fine. Because the other thing I'm going to put in here is one of the, the uh, Tunze Nano. Yeah, those Trebelli, the vertical. Tr the vertical Trebellis to increase the flow within the tank. So there's going to be tow means for flow within here to keep everything going, to keep the detritus in motion, and also when I feed to keep the, the food in motion so it doesn't just settle on the bottom. And then most of it hopefully will get washed out, and I can change this every two, three, four days as often as I need to. It depends on the bio load. Because as I said, one of the things that are going in here are going to be A-cans. And as I have found and as I have said, I've never had success with them unless I fed them regularly. So those will take out probably more biological load than the fish will. Because right. I'm going to feed the mice like I do downstairs. There's going to be at least a couple of Acan Bauer Bankies in here. I'm going to feed those and let them grow and take over certain spots. I mean, the, the one area that's going to be over here is going to be relatively high up. There's going to be a Bauer Bankie sitting there. Or there's going to be a Bauer Bankie sitting underneath it. Because they don't need strong light, but they do need fed. Couple questions. So you mentioned Miracle Mud was going to go to the bottom. Right. Does that mean you're going to have some kind of macroalgae in there with a light, or no? No, I'm just going to go with the Miracle Mud. I'm not going to play with it down the line. I may put a light over it, but right now I'm not. I'm, it's, it's sort of a test. I've always run it with Calerpa. Mm -hmm. I'm going to run it without Calerpa just to see how it does. Okay. So your mind, you're still going to get some benefits out of whatever. I believe you get the the benefits out of the Miracle Mud from the Calerpa. You primarily are taking nutrients out, primarily nitrate. Mm -hmm. Since I'm planning on doing a five gallon water change a week in this tank, I don't think I need the Calerpa to try and reduce the nitrate. Plus there's going to be a relatively small bio load. So simply doing a water change every week should make it pretty easy. Sure. I'm not planning on adding trace elements. I'm not planning on adding calcium. I'm just going to do a five gallon water change a week. Okay. Um, the other thing was uh, mechanical filtration. You had mentioned, what about like the chemical? I mean, are you going to use GFO at all or ROA? Once again, I, I think I can take most of the stuff out just by doing a five gallon water change okay. on here a week. So I'm going to test that. If it doesn't work, then I can always add carbon or add GFO or whatever. I, I, obviously, I'm going to test the water and see how the alkalinity stabilizes, see how the phosphate levels are. If they're stable and, and stay relatively constant, then the water change should be enough. Okay, perfect. So now, as far as rock inside it, what are you going to use? I have been curing rock now for six weeks, which is one of the things we never talk about. I'm take, being very patient with this. So I've cured this rock. This is uh, Kupang or Poitang. I can't remember what rock. Pukani. Pukani, that's it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so BRS Pukani. Pukani rock. I got more of it than I needed, which is what we typically do, because I'm thinking like a big tank. Here I'm looking small tank. So I'm going to do the aquascaping now and give you an idea of what I'm looking to do. We're typically what we do 
is we put a big rock on the bottom. What I'm doing is putting a moderate sized rock on the bottom. Then I'm going to put a bigger rock on top of it like a pedestal. And hopefully that'll go. And then what I wanted to do is to make an overhang. And your rock shouldn't be in the dead center of the, of the tank because that looks really bad. And then set it like that. So there's going to be an overhang because as the corals grow over this, mm -hmm. they'll make a nice cave and things. And then what I wanted to do here is put a nice rock in the back to cover things. And possibly a rock down in the bottom. And that's basically all the rock work I'm planning on doing in this tank. I may do something stupid because I'll always try to jam another coral. And this looks out of place, but if I want to add another shelf for corals in this tank, I can do something like this. Which isn't horrifically bad looking. Once the corals grow in, it'll be nice, but it does take away the openness of the tank. And like I said, what the goal in this tank is not to pack it full like I typically do, but allow some space for the corals and allow some space for things. And this is only about uh, nine pounds of rock, nine, ten pounds of rock. Okay. So it's a significantly small amount of rock, but I think it will give a, a nice openness. I mean, I'm pretty impressed by what it looks like, even without anything in it. But what I hope to do is then attach things. And it also hides this little hole where there's a uh, mag drive 1200 behind here attached up that will shoot water all along the bottom. And then there's going to be a power head over there that will also shoot a significant amount of water. So there's going to be a lot of flow within this tank. I'm going to use one of the little new Tunze Nano streams that have the over-the-top power heads on them to increase the amount of flow or keep the, the flow in this tank really high. Now, relative to how small it is. I was going to say, I see the box of Tunzi stuff to the left, so you're going to use all Tunzi on this? I'm using all Tunzi on this. Mm -hmm. Just because Tunzi, to me, makes really nice equipment for nano tanks. Okay. Uh, what's interesting is I tried a nano tank, this tank probably, like I said, 20 years ago. The problem was there was no nano equipment. So I basically had to plumb it, put a box in the back, put another sump behind it. It was a pain. Now I can do all in one system. It's going to be nice and simple to use. I'm going to use the Tunze 9001 okay, or 9001 Whatever. Little, yep. little nano protein skimmer. Like I said, I'm planning on not putting a lot of fish in here, so I'm not going to feed a whole lot. Right. Obviously, I tend to feed a lot, but <laughs> I, I, hopefully what I'm planning on having in here is at most 8 to 12 fish, all tiny little fish. Sure. Uh, some of the red spot cardinal fish, uh, some of the ruby red dragonettes, maybe a pair of Helfrich's firefish. And that's probably about it. Unless I see something else, maybe a trimagobi, 
that's about it. Oh, and a pair of Yasuhasa gobies. Yeah, I know, I've already gone over the 12, but uh -huh. those are all relatively tiny fish. I can feed them little tiny mices or cut up mices, or I can feed them uh, uh, cyclopes, okay. which are all tiny little foods which you'll take readily, which won't really pollute the water a whole lot. So in the back, I can just slide this skimmer. And that just fit in there real nice and simple. Actually, I'm gonna move it down a hair. So the top to be close to the water, because I'm gonna run a screen all the way across. And one of the other things I'm putting in it is a Tunzi osmolator, little nano osmolator. What this basically does is as you evaporate water out of this tank, which isn't as bad now that we're using LEDs on them, that you can run this and I'll have a little two gallon bucket sitting nearby. When the water drops a little bit, so it'll keep the, the tank as stable as possible. In the old days, you have to come down once or twice a day, add water. Obviously, every time you dump in a big bolus of water, you're changing things dramatically. In a little tank with little fish, they don't really tolerate that too well. So using this will make things a lot more stable and easy to maintain in terms of the overall stability of the tank, which is, as I said, one of the big problems I've had with nanotanks in the past. But with using the LED lights, there'll be a little fan that will blow across them to keep the temperature down, which was the big problem when you ran metal halides or even T5s. So this is a, a nice, simple arrangement for, in that regard. So as far as skimmers go, um, is it important to have that height, in other words, that auto top off in the tank so you don't have the fluctuation? Yeah, with a nano skimmer especially, if you're moving it as little as an inch or half an inch, it's gonna change the flow rate. So you may have adjusted it for having a low flow and then all of a sudden your water level rises, it goes up and it blows off the top. Even though it's not gonna blow it off like a huge skimmer, right. it's still gonna cause a mess. And you wanna make this as simple and as less mess inducing as you possibly can. <laughs> How's that for a good, good turn of a phrase? Yeah. You really don't want this to have a, a, have a small tank produce a mess like a big tank can. So that's one of the other reasons why I like everything all in one box. Because realistically, if it overflows, it'll just overflow back into the tank. Sure. So in that, I've tried to design something as simple as I can, as easy to maintain as I can, and it has potential to look as nice as one of my bigger tanks. Sure. And so right now, we're kind of in the de design phase, right? Meaning, it looks like you're close to adding water. Tell me what you're All of this, all, the water and everything is going to be added next. I have water from the old, every time I do a water change on my big tank, I have an extra 25 gallons, so when next time I do a water change, I'm gonna let the water sit, pour off the clean part, let the detritus settle out, pour that in so it'll already be cured water for lack of a better term. I'll probably mix that with half new water, and in that way, it'll start it from scratch. I'll let that go for another week, make sure all the equipment's working properly for a week, and then I'll start adding quote unquote tester corals. I'll put in some A-cans that don't really have a lot of color, I'll put in, because uh, I'm still deciding on the lighting that I'm going to use on this tank. I know it's going to be LED, I'm just not sure who the manufacturer is yet. Sure, sure. So once I decide on that, then I'm going to be good to go with this. I'll put everything together and it'll be, from someone who built 1,200 and 300 gallon tanks, this is pretty simple and easy. So, and like I said, I'm going to put in starter corals, I'm going to put in some of the Montiparas that I'm just going to break off fragments of put them in there and test and see how well they do. I'm gonna take some A-cans that have lost color, put them in, see how they do. I'll give that a week or two. Then I'll take a lot of stuff out of my frag tank, pack it like I normally do. <laughs> and then after that's go up and going for a week or so, then I'll start adding some little fish to the tank. So that sounds like this is a good place to cut part one. And then part two will be? Hopefully in a month and we'll have this 
bad boy packed and ready to roll. And we'll go over what I did and how I designed it and how it's working. Sounds good. So thanks again for your time, Michael. Thank you.